Uh, good morning. It's uh, it's great to be with you, and uh, it's a real joy uh, to share with you on this particular occasion, because um, this is an amazing season that the church is moving into, isn't it? I thought there might have been a little bit more to that. Um, this is an amazing season. And and I, I know Steve hasn't asked me to do this, but I'm going to pray. And uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of, this is a bit risky, but it's a vineyard church. Uh, you can do anything in a vineyard church, they tell me. Um, and it's kind of couched in the spirit led me. So the spirit has led me. Um, to this, and I just think, you know, the resources of God are there. The kingdom of God is never not going forward through lack of resource. The resource is in the kingdom of God. It just sometimes needs to be released, and uh, I just want to pray for that release, and and I think it would be great. There, there are other trusts, there are other groups around, there are other people around. But I think to see, I think you're looking for half a million, aren't you, Steve? Um, that's the total amount. Um, the 150 is just the start. Um, but I just think that if you want to talk to others or see what else is out there, then actually say, well, what is the church given? What is the church family uh, given to this? And so it's a real season, so I'm going to pray. Uh, but if you're part of this church family, feel, don't feel pressure. You've come for a dedication, and there's this big money thing uh, going on. Please don't feel that. Um, but if you are part of the family of God, here at Vineyard, you've made this your home. Just before I share something on my heart for, from God's word, I'm going to pray. But I'm going to ask you to do something, because often you've had the email, you've kind of got the text, but just as a standing with commitment to say, yeah, we're into this. Whether that means what I can give sacrificially, then I say, Lord, please reveal that to me. If it just means I'm standing with this on the vision of God and where the leaders have decided this is the route we would go, then I'm going to stand with them. And I'm going to do what I can to be part of this. So are you up for that? If you are, then you've got to do something. I'm going to pray, but if you are standing with them, just stand to your feet and say, yeah, I'm on for this, and I'm up for this. If you're part of the vineyard, central vineyard family, just stand to your feet to say, yeah, and we're going to invite God to just come and uh, minister to you now. Father, thank you for what Steve has shared. We thank you for the opportunity that this presents to us. And I make a commitment by standing to say, Lord, show me what I need to do. To see your kingdom extended. The seed that I need to plant. It may feel really like a small mustard seed. But Father I'm going to plant it. So that something amazing will grow. And it, 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 it may be a large amount. It may be a small amount. But I'm saying to you Lord. I want to place that before you. 
and see you multiply it. So, Father, as we stand together, I pray that in the next few months we will see this vision realized. And uh, we trust you. And we're taking a step of faith today to see this come about. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Please be seated. Thank you. Does anybody know this building? Anybody seen this building? Have you all seen pictures of it and things? No, it all sounds really brand new. This is amazing. This is amazing. How many of you are here for the very first time this morning? Welcome. Give them a round of applause. There's a lot of people here for the very first time. Um, If you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn with me to a passage of Scripture. I actually live just down the road in Rugby. Uh, We've been celebrating massively with the Rugby World Cup. The good news was, is when England went out, we had nothing to fear. You know, it was just like, oh, that's over now. We don't have to worry anymore. But weren't we a disaster? Um, so, so we won't go there, but rugby played some really significant uh, events around the Rugby World Cup. They, they put a massive fan zone on. We had loads of visitors into the town as a result of being part of the Rugby World Cup. And rugby became part of the world, which was amazing. Uh, so we had all these visitors. So that's where I live in rugby. Originally, I'm from London, Hackney. Is where I was born under the sound of Bow Bells. Any Londoners? Yeah, yeah. I feel at home and welcome. And um, uh, so, if you have a Bible, turn with me to John's Gospel, uh, chapter ten. And we're just going to pull one verse out of this text. I, I, I am of a certain generation where I still have a paper Bible. How many people still into paper Bibles? How many people have gone into this technology Bibles? Hey, look, paper Bible still wins. I think that's good news. Um, because the, the fear is, once you get into this technology Bible, and I do have technology on my Bible, uh, my Bible on my technology, um, you don't actually know whether they're reading the Bible. Or their emails, or their text, or whatever they're doing. But when it's a paper Bible, they're reading the Bible. So I'm on a campaign. Let's bring back the paper Bible. Well, that didn't get a good response either. It's already over, isn't it? The horse has bolted. So John 10.10, this, this amazing verse is what we're going to look at this morning. And it's couched in, and I'm going to read it in context. I've also reached a point in my life where I went to the the opticians. And they said, how old are you, Mr. Crown? I said, what's it got to do with my eyes? They said, it's very significant. You've reached a point in your life. Don't you hate it when people say that? Where you will need Windows 10. To see what's on the text. So I've reached that point. 
John 10, and uh, we'll read it, uh, I'll give it context. Uh, We'll read from uh, probably verse 7. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also and they too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Amen. So one verse is where we're going to look this morning. And it's it's couched in this story where Jesus is talking about being the shepherd of sheep. And the reality is that when Jesus looks out on his creation... He calls his creation sheep. Now that's kind of encouraging and discouraging. Because sheep are the dumbest animal that you will ever meet. They even look dumb. And he looks out on his creation and says, you are my sheep. But the good news is, is that once you discover that, he says, I want to be a shepherd because the shepherd knows his sheep by name. And what God says to you this morning is whatever you think, if you think there's no one that understands you in this world, if you think there's no one that gets you, let me tell you there's a shepherd that created you, that knit you together in your mother's womb, which is why it's so exciting to see these dedications, that God put all of that together And then says, I know you by name, and what I long for you is to know me personally as a shepherd of your soul. Isn't that good news? And if you don't know that, then this morning I'm going to give you the opportunity to encounter that shepherd. So that you don't feel alienated. So that you don't feel isolated. So that you don't feel alone. That you know that there's a God that cares. And that God that cares is so intimate and real that he will establish a personal relationship with you this morning. So John 10.10 unpacks the context of this. He says there's a bit of a conflict. There's a person that seeks to steal, kill and destroy life. It's the enemy of God. It's the enemy of life in fullness. And as he seeks to steal, kill and destroy, 
the life that God's given you, you can allow that to happen that will take God's life from you today. Or you can allow the shepherd to introduce you to the presence of his spirit in this now moment that enables you to live life, not with it being stolen, cheated and destroyed, but to give you life and life in all its fullness. There's some people around that think once you become a Christian, you lose any sense of life. And sometimes you see these people going to church and coming out again. And they look like they have no life. It is true. But that is not what Jesus came to bring. Jesus came to bring life and that life in all its fullness. So that's what I want to give to you as a gift this morning. In the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are two areas that can destroy God's life from you today. The first is issues relating to your past. And the second is issues relating to your future. These two will steal, kill and destroy God's life in you in the present. So, and you may not be, I don't know whether Steve's a three point preacher or a six point preacher or a seven point preacher. Or after he's finished, you didn't know whether there was anything there. I don't know. But the reality is I'm going to give you three relating to the past and three relating to the future. Some of you are now, oh no, that's six. Yeah, I'm going to give you six points, but they're all quite short. Let me tell you one of the things that will steal, kill and destroy God's life from you in the past. It's anger. (coughs) Ephesians 4 says this. Don't let anger destroy you. Don't let anger steal God's presence from your life. Now, anger is very powerful in our society. I live in rugby. I often get the train down to London. And when I get the train down to London, there are certain courses of action that I take to get onto that platform to get the train down to London. The first thing that I do is I look at the timetable. And I trust the timetable. That's probably my first mistake. But I trust the timetable. On the basis of that trust, I then take a course of action. The course of action is I'll get up at a certain time, I'll get dressed, I'll be standing on the platform. It's absolutely amazing to be standing on the platform for the 6.50 train, direct, Virgin train, to London. London's the next stop. And we're all standing on the platform. When I first moved to rugby, there were a few of us. Now there are hundreds of us. And you will stand on the platform. And then something comes over the tannoy. The reason it comes over the tannoy is if they gave you this news walking down the platform, the person would be dead. (laughs) So they use the tannoy system. And they were something like this. Those of you waiting for the 6.50 to London, we are terribly sorry. But due to circumstances beyond our control, this train is delayed 
That would have been fine. This lead is cancelled. It ain't going to come. And then they say, we are sorry for any inconvenience this has caused you. Now at that point, you feel, I trusted you. Something was in my control. I put it out of my control. I'm standing on the platform. You've now told me. What is your immediate reaction? It's anger. Now, if you're a Christian, I know you just say, praise the Lord, he's got other plans for my life. (laughs) You're obviously more a Christian than me. And you're standing there and you think, for goodness sake, I've got meetings, I've lined stuff up. And then they say, but never mind, there'll be one in an hour. Anger. You know, there are some people in our society where anger is so real that it just destroys what they could experience of God's life. It eats away at them. That you become a seed of bitterness, according to Hebrews. It, 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 it fuels. And everything they see, I call it the, the blue cheese syndrome. Where you eat something with blue cheese on. But you leave a little bit on your lip. And everybody you meet seems to smell a little. When actually the problem's you. When I studied theology, we had to read a book on analysing people. And the book was called I'm Okay, You're Okay. I would like to change the title. I'm okay, you stink. And, and the reality is, some people, they just get us and then we get anger. And that anger can destroy. Let me do two other things really quickly. In our past, unforgiveness. 1 John says, very simply, he is faithful and just, he'll forgive us whatever we've done. But you've got to forgive. I am... Um, have a grandson. I know you're all saying, how come that be? You look so young. I do have a grandson. And we went to a firework display. And it was absolutely amazing. It was great. It was in Kenilworth. And there's no greater joy when he kind of says, granddad, granddad, granddad. And you're hugging him and it's just amazing. But then he did something that was a little naughty. And he's not quite too. And his mum, I mean, I would have let it go. Grandparents do. You know, that's our prerogative. Just let it go. It's not a big deal. And when we look after him, he can do what he likes. But she wouldn't let it go. And she kept saying to Caleb, that's his name, say sorry to granddad. A little word. He's two. Say sorry. What do you do? I'm like, how does he know that? Say sorry to Grandad. I'm like, how long is this going to go on? Say sorry to Grandad. Otherwise, time out. I'm thinking, time out? What's time out? It's a new method. Proverbs says you whack them. I know, be careful. We're not going to go there. A little word, sorry. But there's something in us that just finds it so difficult. 
Even as a two-year-old. But the reality is that forgiveness and living with unforgiveness will destroy God's life from you. Let me tell you something else. The person you don't forgive will be the person that's controlling your life today. Forgiveness. It's an amazing thing about what Jesus did as the shepherd when he laid down his life. He said, I want to give you the kiss of forgiveness. But I want you to experience life in its fullness. So that's why the Lord's Prayer says, forgive as you have been forgiven. That sets you free. And the final is hurt. But we're going to move on to the future now. So any of those three things, anger, hurt, unforgiveness. But then as we look at the future, it's fascinating to see things in our future that can destroy God's life from us in the present. And that's why in a minute when we make a response, I'm going to invite you to encounter God's life in the present. Some of you for the very first time, you'll know what it is to be forgiven. Know that anger gone and no hurt being removed. But you've got to say yes to this Jesus. But also some of us that are Christians, that are not experienced in the life of God, we've got to deal with this as well. But let's look at the future. One of the things relating to the future is worry. People worry about the future. I saw a great slogan once. Don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. Worry. Worry consumes us. You can worry about the future so much so that you cannot live your life in the present. And worry is almost endemic in our society. What does it say in Luke 12? It says, why do you worry? Why do we worry? Because we worry. Now there are certain genders, and this will get me in trouble again. There are certain genders that worry more than others. Don't you girls? Now, I am aware of this. I was traveling. I was on my way home. When I used to work for Youth of Christ, I used to travel quite a lot. I phoned my wife. I said, Flo, I'm really sorry. Um, I'm not going to be home till about one. I left it a bit late. Been out with some people. So just go to bed. And uh, I'll see you when I get back. So I'm merrily driving down the M6. It's one o'clock in the morning, for goodness sake. And all of a sudden, there is a traffic jam. I'm like, why are all these people on the road? What is going on? I just want to go home. We sat there for an hour. And then they had this wonderful thing because they do all the repairs. We went to another section. That went into one lane. We were slow again there. I get home at 3.30 in the morning. As I pull into my drive, every light is on in the house. I'm thinking, what is going on? Why is every light on in the house? Did she just go to bed and think in case... Then I've had a horrendous journey. It's 3.30 in the morning. I walk into the kitchen and my wife is there. 
to greet me, I thought. <laughs> she looks at me. Where have you been? What do you mean where have I been? I've been on the motorway. I've been on a horrendous journey. She said you're dead. I said, I'm sorry, I'm not. She said, I've planned the funeral. I've checked the insurance. Everything's arranged. You're dead. I said, I'm not. I said, why don't we go to bed? She said, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Worry. Worry. Worry is basically you you have an outcome that is all in your mind. That's why Luke says, listen, you can't change anything by worry, but why do we worry? We worry because there's so much to worry about. But what does he say? Listen, you can't change anything. And, And he's got some great statements in there. He says, even the hairs on your head are numbered. Isn't that encouraging? For some of us more than others. I'd love to write a book. Have you ever seen a sparrow worry? Because he says, look at the, the sparrows. They neither toil or spin. And yet the heavenly father, t- what? Are you not of more value? Why do you worry? Why does worry take away God's life from you in the present? And worry is so powerful. It can cripple you from stepping out and doing all that God's called you to do. Just because of worry. Just because of what ifs. Or maybes. And most of those what ifs and maybes never happen. And if they do happen, it's a very different scenario around it. So worry can steal God's life from you in the present. The second is close to it. In 1 Peter 5, it says, don't be anxious. Anxiety. Anxiety. Doctors will tell you they have many people coming into their surgeries more than ever with anxiety issues. Anxiety issues relating to the way I look. Anxiety issues relating to the relationships I have. Anxiety issues. How do you remove anxiety? Well, first of all, the way you remove worry is trust God. The way you remove anxiety is pray. That's what it says. If you're anxious, pray. So it doesn't deny that it's there. But it says the way you resolve it is pray. And as you pray out of that relationship with the shepherd, the shepherd says, trust me. And what are you anxious about? Tell me. I know anyway. Tell me. And the final one relating to the future is if it's worry, if it's anxiety, the final one is fear. Just fear of the future. And the Bible speaks clearly into this. This is what we all struggle with. In 1 John 4, it says, the way to remove fear is to know what? You're loved. Love removes fear. When I was in Youth for Christ, it was an amazing journey. 
uh, I was there for probably 28 years. I think Thea's here. She's part of Youth for Christ as well. It's an amazing ministry. Great what it does to reach young people and communicate the gospel. But uh, I was national director of Youth for Christ for about 13 years. It was amazing. And I had an office. And I had a little couch in my office. I was the man. Every now and then I felt that. But this couple came into my office once. And they were a young couple. And they sat on my couch. They were both my staff. And they were sitting on my couch holding hands. I'm like, you don't do that with me. But the reason they were doing it is they wanted my blessing on something. And so they sat there. Tony Campolo's got a great line. He says, when two people are in love, it looks like two dying cows in a hailstorm. He clearly isn't a romantic. Actually, he's a psychologist. He says that the average person falls in love seven times before marriage. Some of you are counting. (laughs) But get this, he says also the average person falls in love seven times after marriage. It's a very dangerous emotion. It's just an emotion. Love without commitment is not love. It's romance. If you want the definition to love, it's commitment. That defines love. So don't tell me you love without commitment. Commitment defines love. Doesn't it? Otherwise it's romance and all this kind of stuff. So they're sitting on my couch. Holding hands. And I say, yeah, what can I do? They said, Roy, we would like you to bless our relationship. We are going to get married. And I said, oh, that's great. That's great. But I'm an older guy. So I asked some reasonable questions. Because that's what older guys do. So I asked one simple question. Where are you going to live? Isn't that a good question? I couldn't believe what they did. They looked to one another. They held hands tighter and they said, it doesn't matter. As long as I'm with you. I went, oh dear. What are you going to do? Another good question. Same reaction. It doesn't matter. Because let's face it, guys. When you know you loved, it doesn't really matter. But when you know you're loved by the love of God, who's the creator of the universe, he says, don't fear the future. If you meet me in the present, you don't have to fear the future. And whatever may be for you, know you're loved in the present. Experience the love of God. Encounter the love of God. Know that there's a shepherd who laid down his life for you to give you purpose. Laid down his life so that you could encounter his spirit. Laid down his life so that you could experience forgiveness. And says to you this morning, I just want you to receive 
what I've done so that you can live life not with all this other stuff controlling you but with the love of God the forgiveness of God and the presence of God as a reality in your life. So it's a very simple question. Summed up by a brilliant movie. Mr. Wallace in Braveheart made a statement and his statement was all men die but so few really live. You can live because Jesus lives. Because he broke all of that stuff. And now says to you this morning, I want to give you the gift of life. I want to give you a brand new life. Steve said it earlier. I want you to be born again into this new life. And I want you to experience the presence of my spirit. So we're going to pray together. And as we pray, I'm going to invite you very simply just to make your response. And what I'd love you to do is if it's either stuff in your past or stuff in your future that is destroying this present moment from you encountering God. I just want you to say those two things are not going to steal, kill and destroy God's life from me today. In this now moment. I'm going to invite him to come to me. And if you're up for that, I'd like you very simply at the end of this prayer, just to slide to your feet. And by doing that, you're saying, God, I don't fully get it, but I want to know you. You know me by name. You want a relationship with me. It's on my side. You've done everything you can. Now I'm just going to say that word sorry and I'm going to invite you or maybe you know the presence of Christ but some of those things are destroying God's life from you you need to stand too to allow him to minister into your heart and life this morning so father thank you for your presence thank you that you're here thank you that this is a safe place thank you that You love us so much that you're prepared to lay down your life. On this Remembrance Sunday, we remember people sacrificing their lives. You sacrificed, ultimately, to redeem the world, but to redeem us. So, Father, I ask you now to come into my life. To come and deal with the hurt, the brokenness, the anger, the shame. Take away the worry, the fear, the anxiety. Come and meet me in this now moment, Lord, I pray. Give me the courage to do what I know I need to do in response to your love. So if you need to make your response, just slide to your feet right now. If God's spoken to you this morning and you're saying, God, I come to you, just slide to your feet. Thank you.
Maybe you've never done this before. You're a bit nervous. You don't know what it means. But you know God's spoken. And you've heard my voice, but there's been another voice. Which is the voice of God. And you may be with friends or family. It doesn't matter. It's between you. So just join and stand these people that are standing. If God has spoken to you this morning, just slide to your feet. I'll wait just a few moments more. Thank you. Anyone else? What I'd love you to do, those people that are standing, is just either hook up with Steve. Steve will probably tell you what's going to happen there. But I'd just love to pray for you. And uh, then I know there's opportunity for prayer or whatever. But if don't just walk away from this moment if you stood. Just talk to someone. Pray with someone uh, this morning. Let's all stand. Father, thank you that you call us by name. Thank you for those people that have found this morning to be their morning with you. And we just pray that you give them the courage to talk, to share, to receive prayer, and to receive your healing and your forgiveness in their lives. Thank you for what you've said to each of us today. May it be life to our souls as we move from this point into the rest of this week. In Jesus' name. Amen.